Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. What do eight bags of concrete mix, a cooler full of 30-pound sea bass, and a 10-inch compound miter saw have in common? They're all things that are easier to load in and out of the bed of the new F-150. Thanks to its new available pro-access tailgate, that's also a swing gate. The new 2024 Ford F-150, tough this smart, can only be called F-150. Available starting early 2024, pro-access tailgate available starting spring 2024, cargo and load capacity limited by weight and weight distribution. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now, you're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. It's just another game. Um, we understand there's going to be a lot of people watching. Uh, it's, it's an anticipated wait to the NFL season. Um, we're excited for it, and I know the Rams are excited for it. We're really focused on us and what we're, what we're trying to get done, and um, it does us no good to go out there and try and be someone we're not. And uh, I think we just stick with who we are, and, and uh, it's gotten us this far, and we just take it one game at a time. Oh, they're excellent. I mean, you know, there's no weaknesses with this team. I think I mentioned it already, but all the positive accolades and flowers that people are giving them I think are well-deserved and earned. I, I ain't gonna lie to y'all. I'm not about to sit up here and, and boost them up like y'all might want, like maybe other people doing. I ain't doing that. I ain't gonna be extra. They good, you know what I mean? But we good too over here. So we're gonna we'll see them on Thursday. We're gonna play football. But I ain't I ain't gonna sit here and boost nobody up. Here we are. Football is back. First day of the season. Stress-free zone. Look. This is the only time of the year, for whatever reason, this week is maximum stress for me because I get to the point, Miles, where I just want to get it started. There's so much activity. There's so much happening. We got injury reports. We got press conferences. We got news falling out of the sky. We made it through June and July where there wasn't a damn thing going on. We were milking the udder of NFL news dry. There was plenty of stuff to keep us going. But now all of a sudden, everywhere you look, you got a story and a story. I got a list of 10 things I want to get to that I know I'm not going to get to by lunchtime. So this is high stress time. But the good news is tonight in Los Angeles, where the temperature currently is 150 degrees, the Bills and the Rams will be starting the 2022 NFL regular season, season 103, game one of 272. Miles Simmons up extra early Pacific time, even though Chris Sims out in that same vicinity, not that far away. He can't do it today. Miles is stepping up, standing in, and off we go. Good morning, Miles. 
Good morning. Yeah, I assume uh, Sims and I will be at the same place tonight since, uh, you know, the game is on NBC starting coverage, I think starts at what, Mike, seven o'clock NBC and Peacock. Everybody, I'm sure you'll be tuned into this if you're watching us right now. But yeah, man, I'm, 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 I'm geeked up. I'm, I'm gassed. I'm juiced. And I can tell you're stressed out because you keep going on the text chain. Oh, my gosh. Should we get this? Did we get that? Like, yeah, dude, we got it, man. Like, this ain't our first rodeo. We're all okay. We're going to be fine. Just, we can lower the temperature a little bit, you know? Like, it's, it's going to be rodeo? all right. <laughs> yeah. This ain't our first like, rodeo? Yeah. Like, Rodeo Drive, which is about, like, 20 minutes away from me right now at this hour with no traffic. <laughs> Well, it is warm in Los Angeles. I don't know how big oh, of a bro, factor it, it's going to be. It's hot. In the I, I think it is going to be a factor. It is. I, I think it is. You know, I mean, I know people who work there um, for the Rams and have told me, like, with the way that roof works, the ETFE or EFTE, I can never remember which one it is, but the sun, when it comes down on there, it, it does get very hot down there on the field. And you know, I think it's supposed to be 90 degrees here in Santa Monica today, which is unheard of. And I'll tell you, as somebody who doesn't have air conditioning because we're so close to the beach, it's very inconvenient. But once you get inland a little bit further, as the stadium is, it's going to be probably around 90, 95 degrees down there. So we'll see how much it cools off by kickoff. But kickoff is 520 here Pacific time. So the sun's still going to be up. So we'll see. You know, I, I know that you still have yet to watch the full Seinfeld series or really any of it, but there is an episode where Jerry gets this thing called an air conditioner and puts it in his window. Now there's Mm -hmm. eventually a mishap and the air conditioner falls on a dog, but you can't oh, no. get an air conditioner and put it in your window. Okay. That, that sounds very unfortunate, but also definitely sounds like uh, something Jerry Seinfeld and Larry David would write. The Commando 5000. The dog lives. The dog lives. It also bites How? Elaine, and she may or may not have rabies, but the dog, the dog somehow lives when it's hit by the Commando 5000 after it falls out of the window of Jerry's apartment on the fifth floor. So you get a lot of momentum. Newtonian physics. It's a long drop. High speed, energy, force when it hits the dog, but the dog does indeed live. Spoiler alert if you ever watch it. And Miles is right. If you're watching this show now, chances are you will be tuned into NBC at 7 p.m. Eastern. I will be reporting from here, not here, the other side of the room. I didn't have to go back to hell, and it literally is hell this week. Hell week in L.A. with 150-degree temperature. I could only imagine being in that stadium tonight, wearing a suit and melting through it. I can't wait to see Sims drenched on the sideline in that pregame heat. It was bad enough in Canton in August. I mean, this is Los Angeles with a heat wave that may or may not be unprecedented for this time of year. I don't know. I haven't studied the numbers. All I know is it's hot. Uh, But it's a great start to the season. I was saying this earlier in the week. They could give us anything tonight. It could be anyone versus the Rams. And we'd be excited about the return of football. They gave us one of the best games on the Rams' entire schedule right out of the gates. And something Peter King said, Miles, when the schedule came out in May. The idea that the NFL wants to have big ratings week one compared to last year. That perception Hmm. of we're doing better. Bills at Rams, better than last year. Cowboys at Bucks. Sunday night, 
Bucks at Cowboys better than week one last year. And then you have the final primetime game of the week, Russell Wilson back in Seattle better than week one Monday night last year. I think that's what they're trying to do, especially because, frankly, next Thursday night, the numbers they get from Chargers Chiefs streaming only, except in L.A. and Kansas City, those numbers aren't going to be very strong compared to last year because it's a new reality. So they're getting a huge, I believe, rating and audience this first weekend. And that makes news, and that creates the impression for everybody out there who hears those numbers, hey, I better tune in. I, I, I'm missing something. All these other people are enjoying this. I'm missing out. I better tune in and watch. Yeah, no, I think that's a good point. And, and you know what? The NFL is really one of the only things – that can drive ratings like that. I mean, people don't just sit down in front of their televisions and watch things live anymore. And I don't know exactly what, you know, the top 10 most watched things were, but I've seen the list. And like, if you go down that list, it's mostly just NFL football games, the Olympics, like the college football national championship game. So football live sports are really one of the only things that can actually get butts in seats. And I think, yeah, when you're talking about the defending champions and the Buffalo Bills, who is everybody's darling right now, right, to start off the season, like, that, people are going to want to watch that. Frankly, I want to watch that. That's exactly why I'm going. <laughs> the Rams are two-and-a-half-point underdogs at home yeah. on the night that they hang a banner, which this just continues, I think, this ridiculous amount of pressure that's choo, on the choo. Bills. Choo, the choo. Bills, hype train, the, baby. The Bills are are going across the country. They are are going to play in a furnace tonight. They are going against a team that is hanging the banner, and we know historically it's not easy to beat the team the night that they hang the banner in their own stadium. Uh, and they're two and a half point favorites. Oh, and by the way, Sean McVay is five and zero. Oh in week one games as a head coach, mm -hmm. and he's never, ever, ever had a losing record. That's an amazing fall-out-of-the-chair stat to me. In five seasons as coach of the Rams, the Rams have never been under 500, which obviously requires you to win your week one game to avoid going 0-1. So, and, and if you're the Rams, you're the ones that are supposed to have the biggest target on your back. Nope. The bills do it's it, this plays right into all the intangibles. I know that when it's time to start playing the game, it, it doesn't matter, but it kind of does. The Rams are the ones who can come into the game with a chip on their shoulder and a stick up their butt saying, we're not getting the respect. We're hanging the banner. We won the super bowl. They didn't even get to the AFC championship and everybody's all over the bills. It really is amazing to me. Yeah, I don't, I mean, I, I'm trying to figure out exactly where the hype train started. And I've heard you talk about this, that there's just this ridiculous amount of pressure on the bills. And it's like, well, I don't really understand, like, did it start with betters? Because yes, all the betting it. money seems to be on the on the bills. And I, I guess that's, yeah, okay, so that that's where it begins. But, like, 
Yeah, the, the Bills lost in the divisional round, right? Like they lost to the Chiefs because they blew a lead with 13 seconds left in the game. And I was with one of my best friends and he's a big Buffalo guy and he's singing shout, let's go Buffalo. Oh my gosh, we're literally going to the Super Bowl. Oh man, it's we're going to crush Cincinnati. And then like 13 seconds happens and then he's silent for the rest of the game. And then a for like a good 20 now. minutes afterwards yeah a little bit, quiet a little bit softer that. now <laughs> yes yeah exactly that so I mean like and, and it's not that I don't think the bills are over that I, I think that if anybody has the right temperament to get them past that it's Sean McDermott it's Josh Allen I, I like the way he leads that team it's one of those things where he's loose but he's serious and I think sometimes the best teams they, they have that they have that kind of guy who can have you be that serious when he needs to be but look you you got to keep it loose. You got to keep it light. You got to keep it fun. It's still football. But at the same time, it's like, yo, like this, this hype train, it's, it's on a runaway track right now. And I don't know, man, like you said, look, Sean McVay has done extremely well in season openers. I was there. I've been there for three of them, actually counting last year, but in 17, when they beat the crap out of the Colts, right? 18, they go up to Oakland and they, they defeat uh, uh, the Raiders in what was John Gruden's first game back as head coach. Right, last year, they kicked the crap out of the Bears at home. And you've got Deshaun Jackson, like, running down the field. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's just, there's a lot of things that do play into the Rams' favor, including the fact that they're at home raising a banner, putting up a second banner, actually, for the championship they also won in St. Louis. That's just gonna Don't be talk about St. Louis. No, we do not talk I'll about St. Louis. About- Oh, please, Mike. I live there and I work for them when they were there. All right. Know, so, you know, know, they they're hanging up the banner. So that's what we're going to say. All right. And so, I, I'm I don't kidding. Know, I, I'm I, kidding. I'm, I know it's a reference kidding, to you, the fact no, 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 Mike. that the no, 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 ring no, 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 doesn't no, no, have the other trophy on it. The ring has a second palm tree for the other trophy that they've won. If you would just read the literature, maybe you would know that, Mike, instead of just attacking people straight off. Boom, boom, boom. So there's (laughs) one trophy and two palm trees instead of just putting two trophies. Okay, that makes no sense. Now, what does make sense, though? There are no palm trees in St. Louis. Can I say something? Well, uh, no, Stan Kroenke took them all. The, the, uh, can I say one thing, though, about the betting angle? Because this is how legalized gambling influences football. That's how the hype train got started. Once we started right. seeing the odds, once we started hearing where the money was being put, months before the season even begins, that's how all this talk starts about the bills, the bills, the bills, the bills, the bills, because everyone's trying to get ahead right. of the curve. They want to be right. They think that that's the way it's going to go, and a team that really shouldn't be the one with the giant bullseye ends up having the bullseye. I was saying this yesterday. The Titans were the one seed last year. The Titans uh, lost in the divisional round. The Titans should have won the uh, the game against the Bengals, and I put them at number eight in my power rankings, and people think I'm losing my damn mind. Now, I know that they've had some changes, and who knows how, they're, how good they're going to be, but they're no different than the Bills from the standpoint of look at them and say this hype. I mean, why are we just conveniently glossing over the fact that Brian Day of all the offensive coordinator, the bills is gone. And a guy who's never been an offensive coordinator and Ken Dorsey, who was out of the NFL at one point between his time with the Panthers and the bills, he was an assistant athletic director at Florida international. Now, all of a sudden he's an offensive coordinator for the first time and nothing against Florida international. I'm just saying 
this isn't some guy that we're just going to – like Norv Turner in his prime or something like – we don't know. We don't know what Ken Dorsey's going to do as the offensive coordinator of the Bills. But still, hey, choo-choo, hype train rolling down the tracks. I want to mention one other thing, too, before we focus more on the game. The 13-second thing. Our friend Tyler Dunn of GoLogTD.com had an item early in the offseason delving into the whole 13 seconds. And ultimately, it falls on Sean McDermott, the head coach of the team. And there's a sense that maybe he didn't take full accountability for it. So the question becomes how long that lingers into this season, if it lingers at all. Have they done enough to fumigate the building of 13 seconds? And I mention that because I think the handling of the Matt Ariza situation was weird in hindsight and in foresight and in every type of site you can have. And we've talked about this. There's just a sense that that things are off a little bit because of the pressure. And we'll see. We'll see. Best way to get it on is to kick the crap out of the Rams tonight and convince everybody that these ideas are misplaced and that they're able to go back to zero and zero. The valley of zero and zero, as Dennis Green used to call it, where you have to climb your way back out again. What you did last year doesn't matter. We'll see. It starts tonight. But uh, I I just – it is astounding to me that they're two-and-a-half-point favorites under these circumstances. And that it really hasn't moved all that much. That that betters should see value in this. And the line should move by now, and it hasn't. Yeah. Well, again, I mean, I I think it's just one of those things where once people start seeing what they want to see – or once the money gets just put where it is, then boom, that's just kind of what we have. But yeah, I mean, I think that there's plenty of reason to think that the Rams can not only, you know, cover, but win this game that is in their home stadium where they should be pretty darn comfortable now because the last time they were there, they were, you know, making snow angels out of confetti. The Buffalo Bills, when they have the football, have one of the most potent weapons in the sport, and that's Josh Allen, who really exploded In his third year, he's now in year five. He's better than ever. There's no reason to think he won't be even better this year. He's the betting favorite to be the MVP. But as we mentioned, Ken Dorsey taking over the offense. They have to contend with Aaron Donald, who, surprise, surprise, wasn't suspended by his own team for the helmet fiasco of two weeks ago. There are questions with the offense. Where is the running game going to come from? You've got Devin Singletary, Zach Moss, and rookie James Cook, the younger brother of Vikings running back Dalvin Cook, who I, I kind of think could, could maybe give them the kick they need. I don't know if he does it right out of the gates. Gabe Davis was next level the last time we saw him with four touchdown receptions against the Kansas City Chiefs. I, I just I worry about whether or not they're going to have – enough blocking to keep Aaron Donald from just screwing everything up. I think Josh Allen has the ability to run away from Aaron Donald. I th- I think so. We saw Joe Burrow not have that ability in the Super Bowl, but that that's going to be the key, I think. Can Josh Allen buy enough time when Aaron Donald destroys the interior offensive line, as he always does, to make things happen and and get the ball down the field? 
Yeah, this is one of those games where, and I don't know that he said it this week, but when I was covering Aaron Donald every day, this is one of those games where he would say, look, you got to put the big boy pads on for this quarterback because of who Josh Allen is, right? I mean, his stature is huge, and he can move as well as any quarterback in this league. So, yeah, I mean, Aaron Donald is going to be pretty motivated. He always is. And now he's got another big contract. So we'll see him earn the money that he's already received. That's one of those things he also always talks about. But also, one of these maybe underrated matchups within this game, Mike, is in that interior line of the Buffalo Bills. They signed guard Roger Saffold in free agency. Roger Saffold was a longtime Rams offensive lineman. So if anybody understands what Aaron Donald can do to embarrass an offensive lineman, it's Roger Saffold because it happened to him plenty of times in practice. And that means Aaron Donald also knows how to go against Roger Saffold. So I think that's going to be one of these really interesting matchups along the interior of that offensive line. Yeah, and, and look, it's going to be a key for any offensive line that faces Aaron Donald. If there's any doubt about his fire and his intensity, I think what we saw two weeks ago would, would answer those questions. He is back, and he is focused, and he is motivated, and he is driven to win a second straight Super Bowl, something that hasn't happened in nearly 20 years now. When the Rams have the football, and... Look, I, I don't. It's it, you know, I, it's too early in the season for me to get myself in trouble. But it's never too early to get yourself in trouble. Shefty just tweeted that Matthew Stafford underwent an off-season elbow procedure to deal with pain he experienced last season and to help prepare for this season. Despite the questions oh about his elbow, Stafford is now said to feel better today than he did at this time last year. Well, okay, fine. I, I'm looking at the PFT text chain. Apparently. This is very old news, and this isn't the it first is really time Shefty's dusted something off that had been reported months ago, and this is all part of the pressure to, to be ahead of the curve. Sometimes you're so far ahead of the curve, you don't realize you're behind the curve, frankly. This is old news, and I think there is reason to be concerned about Matthew Stafford's elbow, and I think what's happening is the Rams are – playing the nothing-to-see-here card as strongly as they possibly can to get people not to talk about it, to get people not to think about it, to, to just try to, try to, you know, serenity now. Another Seinfeld reference that you may or may not ever uh, understand because you may or may not ever watch the show. But uh, I, I, we, we played some sound earlier in this week where Matthew Stafford started to say something that I think he wanted to say about his elbow – and he stopped himself because he didn't want to go there. I mean, the bottom line is he may be perfectly fine tonight. Where's he going to be three weeks from now? Where's he going to be six weeks from now? Where's he going to be in late November when you're, you're throwing the ball? And, and, you know, one of the things, he's the original Patrick Mahomes from the standpoint of the funny arm angles. He'll throw the ball from any angle imaginable to get it to where it wants to be and where he wants to put it. So you put extra pressure on that elbow. And where were we two years ago? There were three years ago, 2019. Vague questions about Ben Roethlisberger's elbow this time of year. Week two, there it went. And we didn't see him again the rest of the season. So I, I think when you're talking about a quarterback and a fairly important part of his body that is used to apply the velocity and the spiral and the torque and everything else to the football when he throws it, I think it makes sense to pay attention to it. So this is not news that 
Matthew Stafford had a procedure. Uh, and it's not news that there's reason to be concerned about the elbow. And it's not surprising that the Rams are doing everything they can to get people like us, Miles, to not obsess over it. Because I still think privately they're concerned about whether or not it's going to hold up over the grind of a season. Look, I mean, anytime you're talking about a quarterback and his throwing arm and his elbow and an injury that they've kind of described as more of a baseball injury, like that's an entirely different sport, right? Like, yeah, there's, I think, a lot of reason to be concerned here when you're talking about a starting quarterback, right? Like any team, except for, I guess, the 2017 Eagles, you lose your starting quarterback, you're you're pretty much screwed for the rest of that year. We all know that. So when you're talking about a guy who has that a lot of ability and is in his second year now in the system with Sean McVay, presumably should be better this year than he was last year, you need him to be healthy. And so they've said that Matthew Stafford managed whatever was going on with his elbow throughout the course of last season, and they feel confident that he's going to be able to do that this year too. But I think there is absolutely reason to think, well, is he going to be okay once you start getting into the middle of the season, right? Once we're in week 10, 11, 12, once we get to the end of December and the Rams maybe look like they're gearing up for another long postseason run, how is he going to deal with that? He played a lot of games last year, right? More games than he has ever played in his career and not just because there was an extra regular season game, right? He's never been in a play playoff uh, race that was that long before. So there are a lot of things I think that have gone into it. And whenever you're seeing a quarterback not throw the same amount of throws as everybody else in the middle of training camp, like that is going to raise an eyebrow and it's going to be a concern. So yeah, I, I think it's definitely something to monitor as the season goes along. Yeah. And it was an issue clearly in the early stages of training camp, when all of a sudden, yes. Matthew Stafford not involved in team drills, all of a sudden you're hearing this concern about baseball injury. And the Rams really didn't quite know what to do to allow him to get through the day-to-day -day grind of training camp. He was participating in individual drills, but, you know, point that Chris Sims made, when you're out there in a competitive 11-on-11 environment, or even 7-on-7, you're putting a little extra on it. You want to get it through that window. You want to get the ball to the receiver before the defensive back gets there. So you're putting extra pressure on the elbow. So he was out of those practices, team-setting practices, for a while. And then all of a sudden, it was fine. That's what was so weird about it. We're concerned, we're concerned, we're concerned, we're concerned. And all of a sudden, oh, everything's fine. And now they're telling us everything's fine. Everything's fine. This is fine. Like the gif of the... Is it a dog that has a cup of coffee as the room is burning around it? I think it's a dog. It's some sort of an animal. What? But this is fine. Everything is fine. You know the gif of the, the cartoon. Oh, the, yes. This is fine. Yes. That's what they're telling us. This <laughs> the is fire fine. Dog. And everything is the fire dog. I didn't know what kind of animal it was. It was a, it was a dog, apparently. And uh, before it melted down to a liquefied skeleton, because it didn't depart the burning room, it, it was a dog. So uh, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. But for tonight... I'd be stunned if it's an issue. Yes. Next week, the week after, the week after, and it's, it's going to be something the Rams are dealing with from a question standpoint all year long, even though Sean McVay and Matthew Stafford may not want to deal with it. Debut of Allen Robinson tonight. Robert Woods gone. He's now with the Titans. He tore the ACL last year on the same day they signed Odo Beckham Jr. Obviously, he's not back, although they have a locker for him. Van Jefferson out 
with a knee injury. So it's Cooper Cup and Allen Robinson. Good news is the running backs are both good to go in Cam Akers and Daryl Henderson. They both haven't been healthy at the same time since the 2020 season. And they may need those guys. Look, Miles, one of the things that I, I've been wondering about, you got seven months in the offseason after Cooper Cup has a historic year, nearly set the single season reception and yardage record in the same year, 17 games, so a little asterisk. But still, nobody said crap about it back in the 70s when they went from 14 to 16, so it shouldn't be an issue now. Near historic season for Cooper Cup. The question is, what have defensive coordinators been doing to devise ways to take him out and keep him from having those kind of numbers? And does it create openings for Allen Robinson and for the running game? That's part of the chess match that starts to play out tonight when the Buffalo defense either does or doesn't take away Cooper Cup. And frankly, the Bengals in the Super Bowl seem to be doing everything they could to take away Cup, which is why Udo Beckham Jr. was on track to be the MVP of the game because he benefited, I believe, from the attention that was focused on Cup. So I think that's a real question tonight. A hundred percent. And I, I totally agree with you uh, with what you were saying about Odell Beckham Jr. and on being on track to be the Super Bowl MVP. And, you know, Allen Robinson should be a big beneficiary of that. And I feel like it's one of those games where, you know, you see Allen Robinson in his debut and you're like, oh, my gosh, this is what Allen Robinson should look like when he's playing with a competent quarterback. Holy smokes. Says they should take away Cooper Cup. Right? We all know what the Rams can be when Matthew Stafford and Cooper Cup are in sync and they're doing whatever it is that they really want to do. So if you are the Buffalo Bills, yeah, your focus is going to be on Cooper Cup and maybe you can kind of take away things with Allen Robinson as well and try to force them into going to maybe Tyler Higby at tight end. And then you got that third receiver with Skronik and Tutu Atwell. And those guys are big, big question marks at the third receiver. It's just one of those things where the Rams just don't have that much receiver depth. And they dealt with it last year. They dealt with it in the Super Bowl and were able to overcome it. But it's going to be tough when you run as much 11 personnel as they do with three wide receivers and one tight end there on the field. When you don't have your third receiver it's going to be an issue. And so we'll see if Atwell and Skoranek are up to the task. Tutu Atwell is a guy who was, I think, a third-round pick last Second year, F-them picks. Second-round pick by the F-them pick Rams yeah. in 2021. Short, light, but blazing fast. And we didn't see much from him mm -hmm. last year. And, and th this is one of those guys where you got – an assortment of names that you're watching as a new season approaches. Is this the year that we hear about, talk about, and focus on this guy all year long? Tutu Atwell, one of those guys I'm watching. Because uh, you mentioned, I think you mentioned Deshaun Jackson earlier. Did you mention Deshaun Jackson earlier? I did, or am I yes. losing my damn mind? Because well, it was weird they had Deshaun Jackson. Reason. Well, yeah, it was weird they had Deshaun Jackson and Tutu Atwell. Because it's basically the same skill set. Right. Short, slight, really, really fast guy who can disrupt a defense by running past everyone. It'd be interesting to see if they have some plans up their sleeve for Tutu Atwell. And you put him out on the field. You worried about Cooper Cup being blanketed? If Tutu Atwell is, is taking everyone with him straight down the field, and they're like, well, there weren't that guy. Who's going to cover him? That's going to help Cooper Cup uh be open and, and have the kind of production that he had 
last year. But, uh, you know, the bottom line is, uh, somebody asked me this yesterday, are the defending Super Bowl champions always installed by me as the number one team in the next year's power rankings? And I apply a king of the hill mentality to it. Until you knock off the champ, the champ is still number one, unless there is some circumstance that makes you say, well, they're dramatically different than they were last year. Coach is gone. Quarterback is gone. Some major change that makes you say they're not the same team they were. I look at the Rams and I see they're basically the same team they were last year. Every team undergoes some changes, but they're basically the same team they were last year. Yeah, they they are. And I think that that is kind of why, you know, you look at Buffalo and right and Buffalo being two and a half point favorites. And it's like, well, wait a minute. What, what, what are we missing here with the Rams? And like, what did they lose? What did they gain? And all these different things. I, I think they may have had some sort of net gain on offense as much as I love the way Robert Woods contributed to that group. Allen Robinson at this point might be an upgrade and we'll have to see whether or not that actually comes to pass. Cam Akers, a year removed now from the Achilles injury, and it was a crazy recovery that he had, but it's not like he was really running the ball all that effectively in the postseason. I think with an offseason of preparation, you might see that Cam Akers that we saw in 2020 when he was able to really carry that load against the Seattle Seahawks in the postseason and get the Rams to the divisional rounds seemingly like against all odds, right? So there are a lot of things that the Rams have not just, you know, still have, but that they've gained. Obviously, defensively, we're talking about a unit that's got Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey, two of the top 10 players in the NFL. Like, that's going to really, really help you no matter where else the pieces fit. And then they add Bobby Wagner, and Bobby Wagner's on the back nine of his career, but he's still a productive linebacker. So the, the, the Rams still have juice, man. They still have some juice. And the Rams, according to Bobby Wagner, thought it was some sort of a hoax, some sort of a scam yeah. when Wagner texted interest in signing with the Rams in the offseason. And obviously after the Seahawks cut him, he wasn't traded he, he didn't become a free agent. He was cut by the Seahawks. And yeah. remember, he found out through reports, not from the team, which was a bad yeah. look for the Seahawks. He Really bad. He lands with a team that plays the Seahawks twice this year. And you look at each level of the defense. You've got Bobby Wagner in the middle. You've got Aaron Donald up front. You've got Jalen Ramsey in the secondary. They don't have Vaughn Miller, though. We haven't mentioned Vaughn Miller. Shame on yeah. me for not mentioning Vaughn Miller, who goes from the Rams – to the Bills, and, and there was a question this week of what kind of reception he's going to get tonight. Well, all those Bills fans who take over the stadium will be very happy <laughs> yeah. to see him. Yeah, exactly. I, that is yeah. going to be I – am, I am curious about that. I really am because we saw the 49ers fans take over the stadium late regular season and kind of in the playoffs. I wonder how many oh, Bills fans are getting in tonight. I wonder. I'm, I'm sure there will be plenty. Mike, I, I don't remember exactly where I saw this, but there was a tweet – of a truck of Labatt Blue being unloaded somewhere here in Los Angeles County like for Bills fans to make them feel more at home as they, you know, descend upon Los Angeles. So I think that there's going to be a fair amount of Bills fans in the stands tonight. Odell Beckham Jr. is going to be watching this game carefully. He recently joked. He said he was half serious when he tweeted that he'll end up signing with whoever wins tonight's game. And the Rams, they still have a locker for him at the training facility. They are just waiting for the right moment to bring him back. 
Other teams have been linked to him. Von Miller has been aggressively recruiting him to Buffalo. Brandon Bean, the GM of the Bills, hasn't ruled it out. I remember saying last year, once the dust settled on the season, if the Bills had just been aggressive enough to go get Von Miller and OBJ, they would have been the ones holding up the trophy and not the Rams. So we'll see what Beckham does eventually. Could it be the Bills? Could it be the Rams? Could it be someone else? You know, I feel bad for him because he was on the brink of getting a big contract in free agency. He could have been the Super Bowl MVP. The non-contact knee injury during the Super Bowl ended that. But he really does, Miles. To the extent that teams are sitting back and waiting for him to get healthy, he really does have a great opportunity to, to wait and see who are the contenders, who become the great teams, where will the need be for my services. He can wait until after Halloween. Last year, he wiggled his way out of Cleveland right after Halloween, right after the trade deadline, when all that stuff came up with his dad with the video of all the times he's open and Baker Mayfield didn't throw it to him. And, and he, 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 picked, he picked the right spot. He got, he got on the right horse. So why not wait to see how the race starts to unfold before you pick your horse? I think that's his smartest move. Yeah, it, it certainly could be. I mean, imagine if Odell Beckham Jr. were still on the Browns and the Browns were playing, you know, Carolina this week. That might be a whole nother thing, but that's not the case. Um, so it, it's going to be interesting to see what Odell Beckham Jr. decides to do. I mean, the Rams, I think, appear to be counting on him coming back, right? When you still have a locker for the guy, that's something that they, they've done in the past when somebody doesn't sign in free agency, then they still have the locker available and all that jazz. But like, I think that they're going to need another receiver later on in the season. We were talking about their receiver depth earlier on um, in the segment. And if you can add somebody like Odell Beckham Jr., who already knows the offense, and things are going to get changed and shifted over the course of the season, yes. But when you have somebody who's familiar with the quarterback already, who has been a part of the team before, and you can add him after that bye week when you're making that push into the postseason, I mean, any team that's going to be able to add his services is going to be very happy about it. However, I think we got to remember, too, that Odell Beckham Jr. was not ready to come back until, you know, what was it, week four, week five into the season last year with the Browns after he tore that ACL week seven back in 2020. So we don't know exactly when he's going to be healthy, when he's going to be available. I mean, he tore the ACL in darn near mid-February, right? So he may not even be available for the postseason, depending on the way that knee heals. So we'll have to see, but yeah, any team that would be able to add a healthy Odell Beckham Jr. in December or whenever it's going to be like that, that team's going to get a big boost. It was 11 months roughly. And you're right. That's a question. When will he be available? There was some suggestion at one point in the off season that he got butchered a little bit, a little bit with his first ACL, that there was an issue. There was a problem. And that's why it took so long. And maybe that set the stage for it to go again. And at one point, Beckham actually suggested that he tore the ACL even before the knee went during Super Bowl 56. There was some skepticism there. Nobody really knows unless they have access to the MRIs that may or may not have even been taken before the ACL went. But the, that's a real issue. When will he be healthy? And, and the fact that no one is willing to say, we'll pay you, we'll keep you in our building, we'll help get you rehabbed, we'll hold you on the back burner until you're ready to go, that gives him the flexibility to wait and see what happens and where the best spot for him can be. Let's take a break. When we return, the clock keeps ticking on 
a new contract or not for the Ravens and quarterback Lamar Jackson. What Lamar said yesterday, where things stand and where things may end up. We'll discuss that next on this first day of the season edition of PFT Live. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. As of right now, you know, we're still talking. You know, the week's not over yet, but soon, soon, probably be a deadline, probably be cut off after this week. Kickoff, I would not be talking about a contract. I'm thinking straight Jets. Round kickoff time. Oh, as far as a deadline on, in your the mind? The end of this week. The end of this week. Friday. 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 I mean, it was a pretty big risk last season. Uh, the year before, you know, um, I wasn't thinking about contract negotiations around that time. You know, um, this season is going to be the same thing. But, you know, I'm just playing football. You know, anything can happen. But, God forbid, any, you know, the wrong thing happened. You know, I'm keeping God first and just playing ball like I've been doing. How much closer do you feel now as opposed to when you started this process, maybe at the beginning of training camp or the last few weeks, how much closer do you feel now toward an, a, a potential agreement? Uh, I have no clue. You know, you have to ask the guy who I'm talking to. Talk to the gym about that. He's referring to general manager Eric DaCosta of the Baltimore Ravens, who is negotiating directly with Lamar Jackson. Lamar has no agent, and he said a lot there. When he talked about a deadline initially, he used the word probably twice. Friday is probably the deadline. That's probably the cutoff. When you say probably, here's the problem with artificial deadlines. Because there is no real deadline looming. There's, there's no actual, the clock is striking 12, and if you don't get it done now, you can't get it done. Like July 15, that's a real deadline for anybody who has the franchise tag. If you don't do a long-term deal by then, you just can't. It's not a real deadline. Artificial deadlines can be effective, like the one that the Broncos and Russell Wilson had not that long ago. They set a September 1 deadline, and they got it done. They respected the artificial deadline. If Lamar Jackson is going to say probably, probably, it's not going to be a respected artificial deadline that becomes a real deadline. Because really, somebody made this point to me not that long ago. If the deadline is week one, but next week the Ravens offer him everything he wants, is he going to say no? The deadline was last week. So, no, it's, it's really not the deadline. And that's the problem. It needs to be a real deadline. It needs to be. I refuse to talk after Friday. He needs to say it. He needs to mean it. And the Ravens need to believe it for it to work. Now, I don't know that it makes a difference in getting a deal done. I don't think they're getting a deal done either way. But I I, I think Lamar Jackson would continue to negotiate and would continue to entertain offers after this week, despite what he said yesterday. Well, I mean, it's kind of one of those things where it's like, if they come to him once a week on Friday, right after it, which, you know, teams are on the lead, they call it fast Friday because it's when you get everything out of the way, 
people either are, you know, getting on planes or they're going home to spend time with their family for Friday afternoon and Friday night. And say, like, every week, Eric DaCosta, before Lamar Jackson leaves the building, is, hey, Lamar, why don't you just come up to my office? Let's spend five minutes, right? How's this? And he says, no. Okay, bye. Like, what is that really, is there some sort of prevention of, you know, what is the negotiation there or whatever? I don't know. I mean, unless like really simplifying things down to, you know, where they probably should not be. But whenever you're dealing with yourself as an agent, as opposed to somebody who handles this externally for you, like that's the kind of thing where potentially you could be dealing with it, especially if you're saying, probably as opposed to that is a real artificial deadline. I mean, really the, the real deadline for this is not until March, 2023, right? Where the Ravens have to decide either we're going to place the franchise tag on you. We're going to let you hit free agency, or we are, you know, negotiating a new deal before you hit free agency. Like that, that's where the real deadline for this is. But if you're Lamar Jackson, then yeah, I understand why you don't want to be negotiating a contract while you have to study to defeat whoever is your opponent that week. Like that, that's too much, I think, to put on a QB when you're also your own agent. I, and I don't know that that's fair for him to want to do that to himself, if that makes sense. Well, and it makes a ton of sense. Look, for Joe Flacco 10 years ago, the deadline was after he turned down the best offer that the Ravens made in August consciously with the assistance of an agent said, no, thank you. I am going to deliberately and strategically bet on myself. They won the Super Bowl. He was a Super Bowl MVP. The deadline was the expiration of the period for applying the franchise tag. And I remember vividly what the Ravens were going through. Do we apply the non-exclusive tag? Do we apply the exclusive tag, which prevents anyone from trying to sign him to an offer sheet and willingly give up two first-round picks? Or do we sign him to a long-term deal? They went with the long-term deal. They didn't do the non-exclusive tag. There were two teams, your Browns and the Chiefs, were the two teams that were thinking about signing him to an offer sheet that the Ravens couldn't match. And it would have been easy to come up with one because the Ravens had real cap issues that year. They had to construct a deal with Flacco that three years later, they had no choice but to redo it and make him the highest paid player in football again as part of this renegotiation, even though he wasn't playing at that level because they were really over a barrel when it was time to do the first deal. So they were stuck. That was the deadline. The difference, that was a real deadline, and he had an agent. And right. I, I, I'm, I'm tiptoeing through a minefield here because I know some stuff I'm going to say tonight that I want to save for tonight. And it's nothing, it's nothing earth shattering. Okay. But it's still something that I don't think I've said before here or written. So I'm okay. choosing my words carefully, but I keep coming back to this miles. Yeah. And I've said this time and again, he needs an agent for yes. two reasons. Reason one, you need the agent who can be the person who is talking to Eric DaCosta while you're otherwise focused on football, because right now you're focused on football. You need that agent to get the best offer on the table from the Ravens, like Joe Flacco did 10 years ago. When Joe Flacco picked door number one over door number two, he knew what was behind door number two before he went with door number one. I don't know that Jackson knows or will know what he's passing on if he doesn't have an agent to get the best offer on the table. That's first problem. Second problem is once the best offer is on the table, that's when the agent swings back around to the client and says, client, here's what they're offering. 
Here's what you're getting if you don't take it. Here are the risks if you don't take it, if you bet on yourself. You know, we all like to root for a guy who bets on himself because it's not our money if he loses. But you can lose the bet. And for Lamar Jackson, it's one hell of a bet. And I noticed some of that coming through. This is my concern for the Ravens and for Lamar Jackson. Last year, he was oblivious to this. He wasn't even talking to the Ravens. This year, Miles, he's trying to get the deal. This year, he's aware. You know, when you miss four games to end the season because you got hit low legally, properly, you're out of the pocket, low hit from the Browns, miss four games, you realize, I get injured. It could be worse than a sprained ankle that knocks me out for four weeks. It could keep me from ever getting the contract that I have earned. I may never get it. So you need that. And I've said it time and again, you need that person who can get you the best offer and then give you the best advice. And what I've heard time and again, you know, because agents are, I can get more, I can get more, I can get more. At some point they say, in good conscience, I could not tell my son to say no to this. He doesn't have that. His mother's involved. But his mother's not an agent. His mother doesn't have the experience. His mother's not in a position to understand what the bird in the hand really is, what it's worth, and what you're risking by continuing to pursue the mythical two in the bush because you're putting up your future earning. That money you're walking away from, it may be gone forever if you don't take it now. And maybe it'll work out, but it's a hell of a risk. And I think if he had an agent, he'd already have a contract. Well, I first of all, I, I've you know said I think plenty of times on this show that I, it it kind of baffles me that this wasn't done last year, just given the fact that Josh Allen got a contract, Lamar Jackson has an MVP award, Josh Allen doesn't. So like to me, it, it's sort of uh, and I kind of hesitate to use this word, but I'll use it. It's kind of a failure that he is only making $23 million this season after winning an MVP award last year. And you see a quarterback who, again, does not have an MVP award, get a nine-figure guarantee. You know, And one of my favorite sayings, aside from, will someone rid me of this meddlesome priest, is sometimes things are outside the box because that is where they're supposed to be. We're not talking about, you know, some fringe player here who may or may not really be that good. And, you know, we don't necessarily know what he like. This is a this is a franchise quarterback and an MVP award winner. Right. So at this point, there is plenty of evidence to suggest that he should have already gotten a nine figure guarantee. Uh, to me, that should have happened last year. And again, it, it didn't happen. Fine. He's betting on himself. I respect that. I do. But like you said, it's a hell of a risk. It's a hell of a gamble. And, you know, I can respect the approach in some ways, but that doesn't mean I have to understand it. And I really don't understand it. I, I don't. I don't know that I ever will. But I hope that he gets the money he wants and the money that he has earned by being one of the elite players in this game. But like you said, he's taking a hell of a risk right now, man. He really is. Yeah, and I just, I hope that when it's time to play, he's not Jadavion Clowney third year at South Carolina. Because I remember arguing then, after it was clear that Clowney was going to be the first overall pick in the draft, but he can't come to the NFL 
because of the stupid rule that is, frankly, complicit with the corruption that is college football. I know we're supposed to be celebrating college football now because they're going to give us more playoff games. Well, until you start giving the players some money, some of the money that you're going to generate, the billions that's going to come from this, I still am going to continue to say this. It is a corrupt system that exploits the players under the guise of giving them an education. The rule that prevents a guy from going to the draft until he's three years removed from high school is the NFL and the NFL Players Association's complicity in the corruption. That's when Genevieve Clowney should have said, I'm not playing. I'm sitting out the year. But he played, and Miles, he played with consciousness of what it could do to his draft stock. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't take much. You can see it. You can sense it. When a guy isn't going all out, and he shouldn't have been going all out. He shouldn't have been going any out. He shouldn't have been on the field. And I wonder if Lamar Jackson is going to be aware of it. Is he going to be able to shut that part of his brain off? It's a hell of a test. It's a hell of a challenge. I wouldn't want to have to do it. I remember, and Chris Sims has mentioned this several times, when he was playing for the Broncos, Brandon Marshall was closing in on the end of his rookie contract. He had done everything in his power to earn a major second deal. He hadn't gotten it yet. And he said to Chris in the locker room, and I'm paraphrasing, I can't do this. I can't go out there and play. How am I supposed to play the way that I'm used to playing, knowing that I am putting my family's future at risk because I don't have my contract yet? It's a real concern. And last year, he wasn't even talking. He wasn't trying. It wasn't wasn't a priority. This year it is, but without an agent, Miles, he, he's not able to get through the maze from wanting a contract to getting a contract. Right. And that, that's why I'm saying, you know, like this, this unconventional thing and it's kind of unprecedented. Like, that's why I don't love it because like, there's a reason why quarterbacks have agents. There's a reason why when guys get asked about, you know, their contracts and stuff, they say, you know, I let my agent handle that. And when he needs me, he lets me know. And then he lets me know exactly what I need to know to make an informed decision like that. That's what the agent does. And I think especially when you're talking about nine figure guarantees with franchise quarterbacks, that's one of those things that's worth it. And uh, look, we'll continue to follow this. Like I said, I'll have something to say about it tonight on the pregame show. It's a big story. It's a tease, that, baby. Tease. That, that, that hovers over the NFL season. Think about how unprecedented this is. At the risk of saying too much, just think okay. of how unprecedented this is to have a franchise quarterback, an MVP winner who wants a contract, and a team wants to give him a contract, and... It's the boys and girls on each side of the room at the middle school dance, and it's still there. They're still staring at each other, and they have no idea how to get to the middle of the room and start dancing. That's where we've been, and that's where we are, and I think that's where we'll continue to be. So end result is it either blows up on him and he never gets the contract, or we get to real deadlines next year, Miles, and who knows what happens. There's a way the dominoes fall that he doesn't play for the – Ravens next year. I've said that before. Whether it's the Dolphins post Tua, sorry Tua and on, you should be happy Tua and on. Lamar Jackson, a little, little bit, a little bit of an upgrade, a little bit of an upgrade over Tua, or or someone else. And that's the other side of it too. Before we move on, I was talking to somebody about this yesterday. Ooh. If Lamar Jackson was an unrestricted free agent right now, 
Well, I mean, it's kind of unrealistic. But let's let's say that he it was is. going into next year. Let's say next. Let's say the Ravens announced, and they're not going to. Let's say the Ravens announced we've done everything we can. We have banged our head into the wall for months. We can't get a deal with this guy. So when the season ends, we're not going to franchise tag him. We're not going to trade him. We're not going to do anything. We are going to stand out of his way and let him become a free agent. And he can go wherever he wants. Again, they're not going to do that. But if he was on the list of free agents of March of next year, who are the teams that would go after him? Are there teams that would completely change their offense? Would they be able to completely change their offense to run the Lamar Jackson system that the Ravens have been carefully cultivating since 2018? Maybe the Panthers, just because they're desperate for a franchise quarterback, and of course that depends on what Baker Mayfield does this year. But but who would it be? Panthers and Dolphins. I mean, there are teams out there that would not say, and, and I'm a firm believer, you make your system fit a great player. But if you've already got the pieces in place with the guys you have to run the system you'd like to run and it's working fairly well, that's a big ask to pivot toward a guy that would cause you to run a different offense. So it, it's not like Peyton Manning. Here's Peyton Manning, and they lined up out the door, right? Here's Tom Brady, and they tampered, lined up out the door. I mean, it, it's I, I I just I I think I think that it will be would be a more restricted group, which is part of what he has to factor in when you consider what the Ravens very well might be willing to do right now if you say no thanks to it. Maybe. I mean, you know, I, there are other teams that come to the top of the mind. Seahawks, all it takes, all Tampa it takes Bay, is two teams. You know. Yeah. Oh, well, but, but Tampa Bay'd have to completely, I mean, maybe they would, maybe they would. You yeah, got all that well, money I mean, tied up in Mike Tom Evans Brady. and Chris Godwin, right? If you don't, right, right. But you're going to have to, you're going to have to alter your offense. You, uh, you un- would, unless I mean, it really is a Greg Roman Falcons. issue. Maybe it really is a Greg Roman issue. The Falcons would be a team know. that would be on the list. So, my, but my point is, my point is, is there going to be a team out there? Because I think he wants to duplicate the Deshaun Watson outcome with a fully guaranteed deal. And for Deshaun Watson, it was a very rare set of circumstances. It was a lining up of the planets that is not going to necessarily happen again. I think even if he was a free agent next year, there's no guarantee that someone like the Browns is going to act that same way in the desperation to get Lamar Jackson. They're going to get him a five-year, $230 million or more fully guaranteed contract. I guess that's my point. Yeah. For what he wants, what he wants, he's not getting it from the Ravens if he truly wants a fully guaranteed contract. And based on some of his social media suggestions, I'm pretty sure he does. He's not getting it from the Ravens. Is he going to get it on the open market? Would there be enough of a land rush for Lamar Jackson? that? One, and all it takes is one stupid team to do it. Unfortunately for him, the Browns are already spoken for. But... All it takes is one team to say they'll do it. I just wonder whether anyone would do it. That's that's my point. I'm glad we've talked it through because that's really the point I'm making. Could he right. simulate the Deshaun Watson outcome if he would get to the open market? And I'm not sure there's enough teams that would be coming after him and there wouldn't be a Browns team in there that would do what they did with Deshaun Watson. I, I, I think if you can get Lamar Jackson and, and partially the excitement that it would bring and you know, that you don't have the same concerns about Lamar Jackson that you do with, you know, Deshaun Watson. I, I, I think that there would be a team out there that would, that would really want him. I, I, maybe they give him a, I don't know if they would give him a fully guaranteed deal, but there'd be a team that would really, really want him. And that would, 
That's I know, my point. I know, I know. But Will like, someone that, else do because, the Jimmy Haslam special with Lamar Jackson? Because right, that's what right, he wants, right. presumably. That, but see, this is sure. what an agent but, would explain no to one, him. Yes. Yeah. You're not going to get, no, hey, Lamar, you're not yeah. going to get the Deshaun Watson deal. You're not yeah. getting it. You're, and, and by the time he would get to the open market, his only pass to the open market is to play for two more years for the Baltimore Ravens beyond this year, three seasons total. Where are you going to be physically in three years, Lamar? Look at, look at Cam Newton. Look at what that playing style did to Cam Newton. He's in his early 30s and he can't get a job because he's not the guy he used to be. Because even though he was this carved out of granite, Adonis, who, who took all, all the abuse that came his way, it's the same flesh, blood, and bone as the rest of us. And you get to a point where it just can't do it anymore. So I, he's not getting to the open market for three years. And by the time he gets to the open market, he's, not, he's just there isn't going to be a team by then that would do what Jimmy Haslam did. So that's the point. Right. And he needs an agent to explain it to him. You're not well, getting the Deshaun Watson contract now or ever. Maybe you should take the best offer the Ravens have on the table. Well, right, because Kyler Murray didn't get it and Russell Wilson didn't get it. And those are the two contracts that have happened you know, since July with quarterbacks that have been huge, huge money. So if those two guys didn't get it from their organizations, it's kind of like, well, why, why would you – and you don't see, and we need to see the Deshaun Watson contract for probably what it is, which is an outlier, right? So, yeah, I, I think that that's kind of where things maybe, you know, need to be explained, I guess, in, in some way. Well, exactly. And, and there's that, that broader push and pull, that collusion that happens in the NFL, and collusion happens. And the owners don't want this to become the norm where the contracts are fully guaranteed and they mm-hmm. have to they have to put tens of millions of dollars into escrow. Some of them just don't have the cash flow to do it. And the yep. ones who do don't want to do it. It's become yep. a thing. We, we, owners spoke out against what Jimmy Haslam did to, yes. to basically acknowledge that there's collusion. So, uh, again, that's what an agent can explain to Lamar. Hey, Lamar, it doesn't seem fair. I know. And it doesn't seem fair. How does the guy that's got 24 lawsuits alleging sexual misconduct during massage therapy sessions who wasn't an MVP get $230 million fully guaranteed? How does that happen and I don't? Explain it to me. He needs someone who can. Because there is an explanation. As unfair as it seems, there is an explanation. All right. Uh, Robert Sala gave us an explanation yesterday on whether or not we would see Zach Wilson, the second overall pick in the 2021 draft, and when he will be back, if not in week one. Here's Sala. I really don't want to talk about the situation anymore. So we're the the earliest he's going to be available is Pittsburgh. That's going to be the earliest. And uh, just from everything we gathered over the last couple of days, uh, now can it change? Sure, I'm always going to leave that door open. You guys know me; I'm the eternal optimist, but. Uh, we are, we are going to make sure that both mind and body are 110%, make sure we do right by him. And, um, and, and we feel like, talking to the doctors and everyone, it's going to be that Pittsburgh week. There was always that hope. You guys know me. There's always that hope. Um, but, uh, but after all the information gathering, uh, it's, just, it's, it's not worth the risk uh, in terms of getting him out there and just making sure that there's the, there's the knee element, there's the mind element, there's the practice element. There's just a whole lot of things other than the knee. Uh, he hasn't had a setback. He looks fantastic. He still looks good. He feels good, and you guys are going to get a chance to talk to him. You guys will see him. He's not walking with a limp or anything. Um, but just gathering all the information and, and talking to their doctors along with ours, 
um, we're just going to end it until Pittsburgh. You know, that's a far cry from the cat that ate the canary comments from Sala earlier in the week when he was trying to create the impression that Zach Wilson actually may play. You know, he's trying to do that coach thing where they go out and lie to everybody. And I understand that everybody lies. Look, football success is premised in many ways on successfully deceiving your opponent. The play-action pass, the zone blitz, the draw play, the Statue of Liberty, the fake onside kick, all that stuff. You're trying to fool someone. They're trying to fool someone. Remember the statue? Do you know what the Statue of Liberty is? Do you know what the Statue I do, of Liberty like, is? Nobody's running the Statue of Liberty in the NFL. <laughs> Wouldn't it be great if they did it tonight? But but what a what a goofy the Statue of Liberty play. I mean, think about it. I haven't seen it in years. It's like something out of the Three Stooges. The quarterback actually puts the ball back as if he's going to pass it, and somebody else runs behind him and takes it. I really hope someone runs the Statue of Liberty this year. It used okay. to be a thing. A long time ago. The Statue of Liberty is still a thing. As long as the Statue of Liberty is standing, the Statue of Liberty play should be part of of, uh, professional football. Anyway, my point is this. They lie all the time for strategic reasons. And everything they say is said for strategic reasons. If it's truthful, that's just a coincidence. They have a broader (laughs) strategy they're trying to convey. So when you hear what Salah had to say yesterday, Miles, I think the challenge is to figure out what the strategy is here. What's really going on here? Is it as simple as he's not ready and he won't be ready? Do they not want to put pressure on him? Our, our buddy Greg Rosenthal, formerly of PFT and Roto World and now with the NFL, actually suggested it's kind of a quiet benching of Zach Wilson and a chance for Joe Flacco to go out and I kind of – and it's like – I wouldn't go that far. But you know how Jets fans are. You know how Jets fans are. I said this earlier in the week. If Flacco plays well, they're pivoting to Flacco. They're all over Flacco. The back page of the New York Daily News is going to be, hey, Zach, go Flacco yourself if Flacco comes out and plays well. But but uh, I, I just don't know what the point is. I already used that this week, so I, I'm able to say it with a straight face. But, but the point is, what are they really getting at here? And is it as simple as it's the smart, responsible thing to do with a guy they're still trying to build around over the long term, Miles? I mean, I, I would feel like it's probably that. I mean, yeah, men lie, women lie, but coaches especially lie, right? So whatever Saul was doing, and maybe it was just the fact that he was on Zoom, so he found it easier to lie than yesterday that you know, he was actually talking to people in person. Um, so I, I don't know what it was, but like if you, if you know that the quarterback's not playing for the first four weeks and like you're just kind of like, I guess, you know, deking the Ravens into being like, oh, like he may play like you're just you're you're making them stay up a little bit later at night to, to prepare for two quarterbacks. I don't know what it is, but yeah, I mean, I don't I also don't have that much faith that Joe Flacco is going to come in there and make people think like, oh, my gosh, what do we have Zach Wilson for? We've got Joe Flacco, who hasn't been a starter, you know, consistently and been actually good in like three years, four years, however long it's been since twenty eighteen. Six years. Um, I I do have a ton of respect for Joe Flacco, though. He is the only guy who was ever franchise quarterback, highest paid guy in the NFL to stick around and hang around and collect a paycheck to be a backup. Think about it. Peyton Manning would have never lowered himself to that. Do you think Tom Brady would ever consider being anything but the guy. These are guys who spend their whole careers as the guy. And it just shows how much Joe Flacco truly loves the sport 
that yeah. he's willing to stay, even if he's not playing. And he's going to get a chance to play at least for the first few weeks of the season because we're not going to see Zach Wilson until week four when they take on the Pittsburgh Steelers. And as a reminder, he suffered a bone bruise and a meniscus tear week one of the preseason. It looked a lot worse than that. Some Twitter doctors were saying he had a torn ACL. Fortunately for him and for the Jets, it's not. Unfortunately for the Jets, we we did our draft yesterday of the teams that have no chance to make it to the playoffs this year. Oh, I saw that. And I I hope I'm not eating these words. But, the, I mean, the poor Jets, you look at their schedule. I mean, couldn't the NFL have just given them something that they had a reasonable chance of getting a victory in September? It's, this, this, there it is. At look at Browns. that, Miles. Look at that. Well, yeah, at the Browns may be their best chance, frankly, between now yeah. and the bye week. Other than at the Browns for Cleveland's home opener, uh, I don't see any W's popping out of the left hand of the of the schedule. So it could I, be another I, long I don't really either. Yeah. Uh, that, that could be certainly very tough. I mean, going against the Ravens in week one, the Ravens, you know, have a tendency to, to blast people in week one. It's almost like you don't know what's coming and then boom, there are the Ravens. Uh, so this, this could be an ugly game. You know, but, you know, we never know, you know, you know, we don't know what they've done in the offseason to improve. It's Salah's second year. Well, we'll see what happens there. We'll see. I don't know. I have no faith in the Jets. I don't know why I'm well, trying to be positive. <laughs> look, somebody. Hey, hey, I know. I know Pete Rosell's vision for the NFL in its full fruition would be everybody is alive until the final week of the season. And that would be good for us because I see how the traffic Certainly. changes as teams are no longer relevant. I mean, fans, they're just done. I don't care anymore. My team's done. The longer every team is alive, the better it is for everyone. But, hey, for every good team, there's got to be a bad team. And I don't know who the good teams are going to be this year. I'm pretty sure one of the bad teams will be the New York Jets. Let's take a break. Speaking of the Jets, we'll predict the finish in the AFC East. I have a feeling who we both think will be in fourth place. Stick around to find out who we think is in third, second, and first. More PFT Live right after this. Whatever job you need to do out there, grab the right tool to get it done. The new F-150 with an available hybrid engine and up to 7.2 kilowatts of pro power on board to power things on the go. It's not a tool you'll hang in a tool shed, but you can certainly use it to build one. The new 2024 Ford F-150. Tough this smart can only be called F-150. Available starting early 2024. Optional features the owner's manual for important operating instructions. 